Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Photographic Life and the continuation of the conversation between myself and Bill Shapiro. So who is Bill? Well, Bill's a writer, editor and curator of photography based out in New Mexico. And I'm Grant Scott, a photographer, lecturer, writer, filmmaker and podcaster. I think it'd be fair to say that both Bill and I have got extensive uh, experience of the photographic uh, environment over a number of decades. In fact, 40 years for me. We've got a lot to talk about this week. In fact, so much that we've had to break this conversation down into two parts. We're talking about the personal project. This is part one. Okay, so Bill, conversation continues, and now we're going to talk about personal projects. I am ready. Good, because I think this is a big one. I, I can't think of many photographers who aren't engaged or haven't been engaged in some way with a personal project. And I presume, as always, you've been extremely diligent and spoken to some people to find some other voices on this. Well, so, somewhere between extremely diligent and diligent. But yeah, I did my homework, Grant. Well, that's good because I never do my homework or alternatively, I sort of do it on the morning over the breakfast table before it's got to be handed in. Um, but I want to start this discussion and I don't know whether this is going to be one or two episodes, to be honest. Let's see where it takes us. But with the idea of a little bit about the history as to kind of where did we or how did we get to where we are today? And my take on it is this, that prior to digital, the personal project had problems associated with it, which were primarily economic. Because if you did want to create work, obviously you had to pay for your film and your processing. And even if you did your own processing and you had your own darkroom, the chances were you had to buy all of your equipment you needed and so forth, and your paper and spend a lot of time working on that. I know that at that time, obviously, personal work was being created, and a lot of photographers would have been funding it through teaching. So they would use the facilities uh, uh, wherever they were teaching, the darkroom. Um, they may be working on a commission basis, and they would be pocketing a little bit of film or running some film through on the back of their clients' expenses. Or alternatively, they might be getting bursaries or funding. But with digital photography, suddenly, you know, that's when the, the big um, the big earthquake, the tsunami of, of projects came forward, because suddenly you could do them whenever you want and however you wanted with with very little cost. Yeah. You know, that makes perfect sense. And it's something that I haven't honestly thought about before. Um, so I, I like the way that you that you sort of drew out that evolution. And I guess. You know, that's why, at least as somebody who <clears throat> receives a lot of incoming uh, mail and questions from photographers, I'm I'm getting sort of tsunami by personal projects. Well, I think this is, you know, this is kind of the the, the good and the bad, the, the yin and the yang of the thing, because obviously when something becomes easier, sometimes those breaks that were applied when it was going to cost you get removed and maybe not enough work or thought is given to the project before the project is begun. Yeah. And I think that's something that we really want to 
dig into and the, and the sort of strictures that you should put on yourself to get the, to get the most out of your personal project. But I guess maybe, you know, I would love to hear how you define personal project. I suppose it's got to be self-initiated. And I'd like to think that the, the clue was in, in the title. I mean, I'm not a big fan of labels for anything, but a personal project must be truly personal. I think it's got to mean something to you, to, and you've got to really imbue it with, with a sense of, uh, of passion and of commitment, because otherwise it, it, it becomes just a kind of a, a technical exercise. Well, you know, I when I in in some of this not quite so diligent research I was doing, um, I did look around online. And when you Google personal projects, a lot of things that come up are, you know, here's 13 great ideas for a personal project, you know, babies and carriages, animals, everything in black and white. And to me, those are not personal projects. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're exercises to help you, you know, hone your skills, but they're very generic. And agreeing with you, I think a personal project really has to make something inside you uh, flutter. Well, you know, that's what I when quite often when I'm talking to students and I'll sort of say about what work they're going to work on. And I kind of have to say to them, well, no, what you're describing here is an umbrella subject. And within that, what you've got to try and do is find the story to tell. And we, well, you know, that was actually something I wanted to mention, because back in my magazine days, and we weren't necessarily talking about photography per se, but we'd sit in a story idea meeting and somebody would, you know, suggest a story, what they thought was a story idea, but it was really a topic. So a topic is like climate change or black and white. Um, but a, so that's a topic. But a story is how climate change is affecting the shipbuilders in some little town on some little coast. And, and that's to me, that's the difference between a topic and a story. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I quite often use the metaphor of a novel in the kind of crime is the umbrella. But within right. that, there are so many different stories and ways of telling that story. Um, the other thing about a personal project, and I wouldn't want to get your opinion on this, is that my sense is it should not start from a place of, oh, I want to try to sell this to a magazine or, oh, I want to try to make a book out of this. It is, in the beginning, at least, something that is um, free from, um, you know, commercial exchange. Yeah, absolutely. Because. It's not personal, you know, and, and we've spoken so often in this conversation about research, the importance of research and the importance of spending that time at the beginning, reading around a subject or um, learning about that subject. But I think in a way, the personal project can kind of fall into kind of different areas. One is kind of an emotive connection. One is a knowledge-based connection, so you already really know about it or that area. And then the other one is a, an inquisitive nature where you don't really know anything, but you want to know something. So you're going to go on that journey of learning. Right. And I think, you know, the personal project can be, I think, you know, because I hear a lot of photographers saying, oh, it's just a personal project. And in a way, they're sort of taking the pressure off themselves because they ultimately want it to be a commercial project. 
but until they're ready to like unveil it, they just call it a personal project. And I think that, you know, is inevitable, but maybe not quite as pure as it could be. I wonder if that goes back to the days where work that was kind of created from a self-instigated place was seen as being slightly lesser than work that was commissioned. Right. I think so. But the thing about a, a personal project is, you know, it really allows you, if you do this personal project over, over months and maybe years, it really allows you to see how your pictures develop over that time. And it lets you analyze your mistakes and your missed opportunities and gives you a chance to go back and, and try again. And, and for that reason, I'm, I'm a huge fan of long-term personal projects that maybe don't end for quite a while. So do you think it's important at the beginning of the project to have some kind of an idea as to what the the end result, the end artifact or, or would be of the project? By the end artifact, you mean a, a book or a slideshow or whatever? An exhibition, whatever it an may exhibition. be, some kind of a point to read. Yeah, well, I, I actually think um, it's important not to have that. Um, I think it's important to have a focus um but to give yourself the freedom to change that focus you know i I've, I've interviewed the great photographer ralph gibson um many times in the past and he often talks about what he learned from dorothea lang when he was assisting her and what he calls uh what she referred to as a point of departure meaning that you need something to start with and to focus on even if that changes almost immediately. But if you just go out into the world holding a camera, yeah, it's better than nothing, but without some sense of where you want to be looking, it's kind of worthless. Well, that's exactly it, because I, I do feel it's important to start out with an end goal, but but I, I, how can you argue with Dorothea Lang? But I definitely feel it's important to give yourself that space to evolve the project or to go off at tangential um, kind of uh, directions where wherever you feel that the narrative is taking you. But one of the key things that I often talk about is the, the requirement when you're creating a personal project for what I call connected thinking. And what that means is that rather than just thinking, here's an idea, I'm going to go and do it, which could, which instantly kind of means you're, you're ill prepared is that once you have that idea at the beginning, you really need to investigate that idea. You need to ask how, why, where, when, who, and you need to kind of explore those areas which are going to make connections and may well kind of take you into a different place than you were expecting but it will be a place which is much more considered yeah and and i also so i totally agree with that and you know to give yourself the structure but also the flexibility you know but the thing about returning again and again and again to one uh story is that it trains your eye i think to see nuances that you may have missed the first time around um you know when you keep going back and and watching you know a baseball or soccer or whatever you know there's a lot you don't get in the beginning and you only see those nuances if you keep seeing games and keep talking about it and so 
returning to the same place or to the same people or the same subject matter helps you see the differences between the pictures that everyone else would take the first time they're there. And then something that's more subtle telling original and maybe even has authorship. Yeah, because actually repetition is a good thing, I think, because once you start repeating yourself and and identifying that, that's when when you know that actually it's time to move on and, and you need to push yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Do we think that a personal project has to have a sense of narrative? A sense of narrative? No, I don't. Th- I, I, I personally don't think so. Um, I think that ideally one might evolve, but I think that there's a way to do that. There are things you could do a personal project on, you know, where there is not a beginning, a middle and an end. If that's what you mean. Yeah, it kind of is, because I, I, I do feel that narrative is so important, not just for in the work you're creating, but for you as a photographer to feel that you're actually creating a body of work. It's very hard, I think, to create a body of work which doesn't have a narrative that's connecting everything. Let's say, I guess I would agree that the pictures should all be connected and should be like, you know, 13 ways of looking at a blackbird, um, revealing different facets of the same subject. But I guess I don't feel that there needs to be a sort of um, beginning and then ultimately, a, a, a re, you know, a climax, a resolution. Um, you know, th- there's this uh, photographer that I've um, shown on my on my Instagram page named John Banasiak. And when he was a kid, he was going to art school in Chicago, but he was also tending bar to make ends meet. And he started taking pictures of people who were drinking at the bar from the bartender's point of view. And they are fantastic pictures. Uh, and maybe we can you know, link, link to them in the show notes. Um, but there is no narrative, um, no resolution or climax or start, but it's a terrific series of, of, of pictures of what he saw. I suppose there's something rather wonderful in that as well, because it kind of gives the viewer or, or the photographer viewer the opportunity to continue the story in their own way, doesn't it? It does. It does. And I think, you know, I, I think it's important that way for photographers, you know, as they're, you know, maybe going to embark on a personal project or they want to do a personal project, but they're not sure exactly what to do is to really consider your relationship to the topic and or the subject matter and interrogate why it interests you. So and that is different from why it is interesting. Right. The connection between the topic and the photographer, the topic and you, I think, is where all the juice is and where all the differentiation is. What we're talking about here can sometimes be perceived as being an academic approach and not and a not that's not a photographic approach. But I've kind of argued that it is a photographic approach. Yeah. I mean, I, I could not uh, could not agree more. I mean, you and I both do personal projects. I mean, that's the reality of this situation, isn't it? Photographically or, or written, we're, we're always coming up with ideas and working on them as personal projects. Right. And sometimes, you know, I have personal projects that I have been incubating for years. And, and hopefully the moment will be right or some connection will be right in my head where, um, okay, I think I'm ready to show this to other people. Um, and sometimes it, it takes a while. 
But when you're working on your personal project, are you, are you, do you do what I do, which is kind of spend a huge amount of time reading? It depends on the project. You know, sometimes the personal projects um, really come from within me. Um, and they're, and they're just ideas that I want to explore, but you know what, um, Grant, this is actually, if, if you don't mind a terrific transition to hear from our first, uh, photographer who, who I interviewed about this subject, because he, I think takes a different point of view from you, uh, which I think would be interesting. So I spoke with Richard Sharam, Richard, uh, embodies, you know, the qualities of an old school life photographer. And I know he's appeared on, um, on, on your podcast. He mainly focuses on socioeconomic or social justice dilemmas concerning the, the human condition. Um, in 2021, he, he, um, came out with an incredible book called, um, Campesino Cuba, which was published by Ghost Books. And, um, his work has also been in the British Journal of Photography, Lens Culture, The Atlantic, uh, Texas Monthly, et cetera. So I asked Richard, what should a photographer do before starting a personal project to increase the likelihood of success? And, um, and he said a few things. And so feel free to interrupt and we can we can break it down as he goes. He says, first, have an understanding of why that topic interests you. And second, whether it primarily serves you or others. Also, think about what success would look like for you, the photographer. It has to interest you beyond the surface level, he says. And you have to not know a lot about the subject already. So as to allow yourself the element of surprise, discovery and invention. Some photographers begin a project on a particular topic because they feel they already know about it, but their confidence is clothed in comfort. This inevitably reduces the likelihood of treading a newborn path without realizing it. they photograph to fit their assumptions. He goes on to say, the very prospect of them being comfortable with the subject can lead to shortcuts taken, opportunities missed, etc. It is the uncomfortableness the newness of something previously ignorant of that allows you to experience it and document this personal transition honestly. This is why I do not subscribe to the popular belief that only local people should photograph local problems. I guarantee you that if I were to visit your living room at home, I would notice things about that space that you see every day and have naturally become blind to. There was a power in that phenomenon when it comes to tackling old problems in our in our society visually. He says the reason for understanding who the project primarily serves, you or others, is that when you are tired or beat down with the work, it is the prospect of changing something due to the awareness you have now brought that can inspire one to carry on, that your time is worth it for what may yet be born for the good of society. I think we've got a whole episode there. Uh, yeah. of, of discussion, but I, I, the only thing I would pick up on, I think, is that I think Richard there, and, and I love his work and his approach, but it, it is also quite black and white, not only in, in outcome, but in, in a kind of vision on that, because I think you can know a subject, but it's up to you to remain, and you can research a subject, but it's up to you to remain open at all times to change. And as he quite rightly says, don't become overly comfortable at any point. But also, you know, the, we've again, we've spoken about the need for a realistic expectation. Don't have an expectation at the beginning that it's going to be easy. Absolutely. Um, and he says um, 
a couple other things on this point. Um, are you okay if I, if I um, read on a bit? Yeah, 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 of course. Okay. Um, I asked Richard, and this is specifically going to the, to the point I think you were making. I asked Richard if, if in preparing to embark on a personal project, one should look at what other photographers have done in that space. And he told me, be careful of this. It's all fine and dandy to look and see how previous photographers attempted to tackle an issue, but it can lead to subconscious emulation. I much prefer to look at other photographers' work on a subject after I am done with it so that my vision remains pure to what I experienced and can be compared thus. Likewise, um, I asked him if a photographer should conduct research and reading before diving in. And I thought his answer here was interesting. Any material facts or statistics about a certain topic are best understood while in the middle of it. You'd be surprised at how many times off-quoted facts, in quotes, do not reflect anything experienced in the trenches. I thought that was really quite interesting. No, I, I, I think it is interesting. But once again, I'm nervous of... I suppose in a way laying down, I, I never like to lay down rules, but I do think that before you start anything, it's really beneficial to, to get a, a sense of uh, the subject, to get those, those facts, those figures, that information. But as I say, I think it's our responsibility to remain, remain open to change. You know, I'm writing this book at the moment about um, the history of Vogue House. Um, 60 years of the building in London, where all of the Condé Nast titles were produced from. And I spent nine years working in that building. And so there is an argument to say that me writing the book could be very much a kind of a, well, I know this. But the reality is that by doing the reading that I've been doing, I've been able to talk to people who are contributing and I've been able to bring information to them as they've brought information to me, maybe corrected what I've read, or I've been able to open their eyes to something, which has then led to something else. So I do feel it is an information exchange from the beginning. I guess I guess that's the, the question from the beginning, because in, in fact, you know, having spent years there and worked there as you did, you know, you, you did know something. I do a lot of writing and I do a lot of reporting. And as a journalist, I feel, and, and this is not personal project stuff. This is, you know, for work. I overdo the research. I talk to more people than I'll ever quote in the story. Um, and, and that's just, you know, I think in a way sort of based on my insecurity of not being able to adequately suss out the problem if I just jump right into the middle of it. Well, I mean, that's always been the thing between you and I, isn't it? We are extremes opposites. Yes. <laughs> I'm quite happy to wing it. You like to be much more prepared. Yes. Um, it's, you know, it's when you're both uh, neurotic and anxious, that comes with the territory. <laughs> well, let's move back to that. I mean, I think Richard has raised some really interesting points there. And I'd be really interested to hear what uh, listeners think about that. Because I, I think I'm trying to find a, a bit of a middle ground there. Yeah. Um, so I asked Richard a couple more questions. Shall I, shall I go ahead? Yeah, please do. 
Okay. I asked him, um, why did you start doing personal projects and did you expect them to turn into something more along the lines of what you and I were talking about at the top? Um, he says, in the beginning of my practice, I took on projects that interested me purely for the sake of honing my craft with no intention of publishing or anything else. I wanted to work on people skills, trust, understanding what it means to document someone and make a record of it for others to see 10, 25 or 100 years from now. I wanted to really get an understanding of the power of the craft, what I, what was capable, what was right, and what were and what those responsibilities mean in regards to the general um, public. And I highly recommend this to young photographers. Good advice. Yeah. And you spoke to some other people as well, didn't you, Bill? I did. You know, I spoke with um, someone who is not a professional photographer. Um, his name is Greg Goldbrunson. And I spoke to him precisely because he's not a professional photographer. Uh, Greg Goldbrunson is, a, is actually a pediatrician in New York. And I've been working with him on an absolutely riveting book project um, that's in, in large part about gun violence in America, of which, of course, there is much. Um, this began as a personal project for him on a on a slightly different subject. But it led him to sort of embed with a gang leader in the Bronx for three years. Wow. Um, um, the gang leader is paralyzed from the waist down and conducts his business from his wheelchair in the apartment he shares with his mother and his grandfather. And, and Greg has a bunch of other personal projects in the works. So I thought he'd be a great person to speak with. His, his projects range from uh, Appalachia, which is a um, sort of a poor part of, of this country, to the Bronx. And I asked him why he chooses a particular personal project. And to answer that, uh, this is what he said. Uh, my favorite quote was from about this was from Matt Black, who said, uh, and Greg takes notes on all this stuff. Uh, Matt Black said, the key to a successful project is to find something that obsesses you. Look into your emotions, anger, confusion, excitement, etc. Then use the photography to answer those feelings. The obsession is the fuel. And Greg goes on to tell me, this is how I do all my work. I'm obsessed. It's relaxing. It's interesting because uh, Matt Black was on um, the uh, podcast just uh, a week or so ago. Um, we were talking about that very that very thing about that kind of instigation. So interesting to hear um, that kind of reference. But I think it's also interesting to hear from somebody who's using, you know, photography could be described to him as being a hobby, um, a word I don't have a problem with, because obviously it's not his central um, point of income, but he's probably taking more risks with his photography than a lot of other photographers are. Oh, for sure. And his dedication to this, which he'll talk about in a minute, his dedication to this, and, and because I've been working with him, is, is absolute. You know, nights, weekends, Christmas, et cetera. He is, he is with the, the, the people that he is shooting. I asked him, how do you know when you're done? Because that's always been interesting to me for a personal project. You know, when do you sort of, what, how, do you, how do you put a bookend on it? He says, I never feel like I'm done. 
Um, and in fact, I had to tell Greg to pull back from this project because I, I felt as his sort of editor that it was getting dangerous. But he says, I never feel like I'm done. I've chosen to document the lives of very unique people and have a deep relationship with my subjects. In fact, the camera ultimately becomes secondary at times, as I often visit my subjects without the camera. I feel in order to fulfill my obligation to be honest, accurate, respectful to my subject matter, I need to chill out and spend quality time. Uh, with no camera in hand. I don't have any sort of formal education in photography, but medicine has taught me to be interested and, and care for all sorts of different people. And I have learned how to approach just about any person I come across. Yeah, you know, I often say to young photographers that the best thing they can do is get a job in a takeaway place or a bakery or anywhere where they meet people of, of kind of from different backgrounds and, and just learn that skill. Right. And that goes back to uh, the photographer, John Benesiak, I was talking about who, who was working at a bar. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly that. But I said, you know, it does also make me think about this idea of the personal project. I said at the beginning about their connected thinking. And one of the key words is why. And I think that is a really important question to answer uh, for the photographer at the beginning, because you've just given me there two completely different, almost diametrically opposite answers to the same question. And so what do you make of that? I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. But I always think, you know, as a journalist, that why is the, the most important word you can use? Yeah. And that's why, you know, like I said in the beginning, why am I attracted to this to this project. And it's not, it shouldn't be because other people care about it. It should really be, you should really interrogate and think about and write down, at least in the beginning, what is it about this thing that, that has its hooks in you? Um, yeah. I, I always say a big piece of paper and a Sharpie is the photographer's best friend. hundred percent. And and I think, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to, to write, a headline for your project before you start. Now that headline doesn't have to be uh, fancy or clever and it can change every single day. But I think going back to Ralph Gibson's point of departure, um, it does help focus you for a day anyway. It does. And again, you know, I keep saying it, but as part of my teaching, one of the things I give students to do is I give them the lyrics of a song, a narrative mm -hmm. song. And I say, you know, go look at that song and take the name of your project from the words in that song. And the song I've used for the last three years, I've used the same song, is Bob Dylan's Murder Most Foul. Well, I knew it was going to be Bob Dylan. Um, <laughs> but that that's a that there's a lot in that song for sure. There's a lot in there. It's 20 minutes of narrative. And I think that um, in a sense, for a songwriter, every time they write a song, it's a personal project. It's coming, you know, they're doing it because they want to do it. And I think that's the key to a personal project. You, you, you must never do a personal project because you see a lot of people are doing this kind of thing. And therefore, you think, well, if I do that, it will be successful. Right. 
Well, speaking, speaking of, 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 you know, success and, and we talked a little bit about how you define success, which I think is really important. Um, but, but I said to Greg, you know, I said, you know, look, you've got a a day job in medicine that has nothing to do with photography. How do you get feedback on your projects? And he said, feedback is critical to every project I do. I hired uh, Mark Steinmetz, the great photographer, to review my West Virginia project, which was very educational. It was only then that I learned of Susan Lipper's work in West Virginia, which inspired me to move deeper, but with my own style and approach. But the best feedback, he said, I ever got was from a second opinion after I had published a personal photo book uh, project about an 86 year old pastor, also in the South Bronx. Originally, I hired a big name uh, editor to edit and design the book, which I thought was wonderful. But later, I hired a second editor to review the book. And she told me flat out that at best, I had three good photos in the book. I was upset, but so grateful for the honest feedback. And instead of giving up, I got back on the horse and redid the entire project. And today, I'm really proud of that work. Well, um, Mark Steinmetz was on a previous episode of this podcast as well. <laughs> There's another episode to uh, to go back into the archives to listen to. But it goes back to what we were saying um, when we were talking about mentors and mentorship, wasn't it? That yeah. sometimes you really need to hear some tough truths, you know, put in a pleasant way, you know, never to be destructive or critical for the sake of it. But some, some tough love can um, be really beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, because Greg is um, not a student and he's not super tapped into the photography community because he's in medicine, um, you know, he he does hire people to help him, you know, and you, you don't have to do that. You can you know, you can approach other people in the business or other photographers to, to uh, sort of exchange feedback, which actually is a really good idea. I mean, but also maybe just bouncing ideas before you start the project, because I do feel that. A lot of photographers can spend a lot of time and money on a project without really, um, I suppose, looking at it closely enough to see if it's going to give them what they want or get them where they want uh, to get to. Well, I guess I guess, you know, we've mentioned this a couple of times. How do you define success? How do you define if the project is successful and does it take me where I want to go? How, how would you sort of go about thinking about that if you were a photographer about to embark on a, on a personal project? I think, first of all, I'd be looking at it and really being very honest about where I am and where, what, what do I want from this? So I would be very clear in defining my personal expectations from the beginning. I'd then be as fight as hard as I could to be really open to where it was going to take me and not be too didactic about that road I'm about to travel on. But also I would be, I'm afraid a little bit like a businessman. And I'd sort of think, okay, well, this is my investment. Am I willing to lose that investment? Or do I think that I'm going to regain that investment? So, you know, if you're going to do something like this, you've got to be willing to know that. It might not work out, but that's still okay because you might get a different kind of outcome. You might get um, learning rather than financial reward, for example. Or you might make fantastic relationships in a certain community that you come back to five years later. 
Well, that's the absolute key, isn't it, to to everything? I, I and I think you know it's taken us uh, quite a while, but I think I think you've hit on it. You know, the personal project is an opportunity to get out with your camera and meet people, right? And sometimes, you know, for. Uh, some photographers, younger photographers, they're nervous about meeting people and saying, can I take your picture? And forcing yourself to do that um, is not only beneficial to your practice, but if if the reason that this personal project speaks to you on emotion and on an emotional level, it may not be something that goes away after a year or two. It may be something that Five years later, when you do get an assignment from from a magazine or whatever, you know, you go, you can go back loosely on that same topic. You can go back to some of those people and revisit those relationships. Which raises the question of, of how many personal projects you should be working on at the same time, because currently I probably I probably got about four that are, that are up and going and are working. And what about you? I probably have 15 projects that are sort of on my ledger and maybe three that I'm kind of active on. Um, and one I just returned to after a year, uh, a year hiatus after I got some really harsh feedback. Um, I, I set it aside and, and reapproached it. Um, so yeah, sorry about giving you that feedback, Bill. Yeah, that's okay. I deserved it. Um, <laughs> Um, but there you go. We're both working on three to four projects at the same time. So maybe if we're, you know, if anybody's listening to this, um, that's a piece of advice that you might want to take on board is by working on a few at the same time, you can keep, you can bounce from one to another, but you can also keep yourself feeling positive. So if one kind of dies down a little bit, you're not putting all of your eggs into one basket. Right. Um, at the same time, I don't think you'd be want to be you'd be really want to be focusing on or working on, you know, more than five personal projects at the same level, because then no. I think you're, you're you're just skipping stones and you're not really going deep on anything. No, I completely agree with that. But, that you know, sometimes there are kind of low hanging fruit, quick wins, aren't there? Yes. And sometimes, you know, the long form project is exactly that. Well, I, I think that's actually a nice formula and, and it is something, you know, without having thought about it, that when I think about the projects I'm working on, um, they are different levels of depth and commitment. Um, and I think it's it's nice to have something that, you know, you're going to be working on for a couple of years and then something that, you know, you know, in three months, I'll know whether this lives or dies. So I, I know you spoke to somebody else, Bill. Yeah, um, I did. Um, I spoke with the the, the great photographer um, Golnara um, Sumoilova. So I hope that I pronounced that right, Golnara. Um, you did a lot better than I would have done. <laughs> she is just an acclaimed street and fine art photographer and the author of the a book that came out last year called Women Street Photographers. Um, she's also the founder and curator of Women Street Photographers Instagram website and an, and an uh, artistic residency. Her work has been collected by um, uh, a bunch of museums um, and and by Elton John. Um, and she received the national and international awards for her photographs of September 11th, um, 2001, including first prize in the world press photo. So I asked Elnara, what should a photographer do before starting a personal project to increase the likelihood of success? 
And she said, I believe the personal project really has to come from within. What are your thoughts about what makes you happy and excited? A personal project is just that personal. Don't expect it to earn you money and fame to get you assignments or jobs. I use personal projects for healing and creative satisfaction to express myself. I love what she said there about for healing and creative satisfaction, because so often, you know, we're sort of working for somebody else. We get an assignment if we're lucky or or we're doing something that we think will be commercially viable. And it may not kind of come from our soul or our deepest creative place, but a creative project really lets you go there and be an artist. And I think, you know, Gulnar is really onto something when she says that. I agree. But also what I would add to that, and I, I think this is something that we've we've touched on previously, my memory uh, serves me correctly, is that I don't see a difference or a differential between personal work and commissioned work. My take on it is that if you're defining a personal visual language through your work, you should then be able to take that work to your client base and get your client base to buy into what you're doing rather than say, this is personal and this is commercial. I mean, I think ideally for a mature writer or photographer or, or, or artist, yes. But I think in the beginning, if some company comes to you and says, we're doing a dog food ad and it needs to be this kind of dog and this color bowl and this kind of shot from this many feet back to work with our brand that might not give you a lot of room for your um, authorship and, and creative expression. Maybe not, but you know, I, I, I stand by the statement that you'll never get commissioned to take the photograph you could take. You'll always get commissioned to take the photograph you've already taken, which they've invariably seen on your website or in your portfolio. And therefore by you know, you're trying to get someone to buy into that personal work. It's a fantastic uh, opportunity with personal work to actually show client bases. But look, this is who I am. This yep. is what I do. Buy into who I am. I've got a big shoot coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, big uh, commercial shoot. A, a pretty, you know, a big production. Uh, and they've literally just looked at my work and, and just said, do what you do. Right. And, and, and you're at that place, you know, in your, in your career, which is amazing, but, but I take your point and I agree. And I also just to sort of harken back to last episode we did on mentors, you know, Maggie Stiber, Stieber said when somebody approaches her to ask her to be a mentor or to look at her work, she doesn't want, you know, five disconnected photos. She wants to see a project and a story and a commitment. Um, and, and I think that works well, um, here too. I also think that that's what everybody wants to see. And yeah. I think that's, you know, when I started off talking about the history of this back 20 odd years ago, people wanted to see tear sheets and proof that somebody else had taken a risk on commissioning you. I think now what they want to see is your engagement and your investment. And there's no better way of showing that than in a personal project. We were talking about feedback earlier and I, and I asked Gulnara, um, you know, she, she told me that after showing her work to Mary Ellen Mark, um, Mark wrote her a letter and encouraged her to start her next personal project. And I, I, I think, you know, it's 
uh, a lovely rare opportunity to read a note from Mary Ellen Mark. So if you're if you're okay with it, I think it's also instructional as well. How um, could I stop you? <laughs> Uh, Mary Ellen Mark wrote to Gulnara, you're a really good photographer. You owe it to yourself to produce your own personal body of work. The work you showed me from the project you started in Russia is really powerful. Can you go back there? Otherwise, find something else in New York that you feel really passionate about. I know you're incredibly busy with your photography business, and I'm sure you're great at it. But someone as talented as you really should pursue a serious personal body of work. I'm sure if you did this... Um, you would come up with something great. That's fantastic. And, and I, I hate to say it, but we've had Mary Ellen Mark on the podcast as well. Oh, you don't hate to say it. You love to say it. <laughs> but it's so great to hear from these really special photographers engaging with younger photographers as well and giving them that kind of feedback. I think it, it's hugely important. You know, Bill, I, I feel as if we've just scratched the surface of this personal project thing. What do you think? Um, I, I think so too. And I, I think there is room for more discussion here, especially in, and, you know, maybe not this time, but I get shown a lot of personal projects that I have some stiff feedback for. And I think it might be instructive maybe for another episode for us to talk about maybe what doesn't work in a personal project um, and, and, and how to encourage photographers to, to, to push a little harder and define what they're really going for with these pictures. I think that sounds great. And I think you've just um, written the script for our next conversation. I'm ready. <laughs> so am I. Listen, Bill, thanks so much uh, once again for bringing such erudite uh, responses from various photographers. And I thank all of them for taking time to support you and to contribute as well. That's always so appreciated. Um, if you're listening to this and you feel that you want to comment on what we're saying, do so. You can get uh, in touch with Bill through his Instagram, which is Bill. Uh, it's my name at, at Bill Shapiro. <laughs> Uh, or alternatively, you can get in touch with me on uh, Instagram and Twitter or through the United Nations of Photography dot com uh, website where you can email me directly and I will get straight back to you. Listen, Bill, thanks so much uh, once again. I really enjoy our monthly uh, conversation and I really am looking forward to the next one. As am I, Grant. Thank you so much. Well, thanks to Bill for this uh, month's conversation. Another one will be coming up in the first week of next month. Just leaves me to say also thank you for listening. And of course, take care. Mm-hmm.